As many of you know, he is the longest-held U.S. prisoner in North Korea. But he's also a graduate of Covenant Theological Seminary. He has served on the mission field with YWAM. He was ordained in Southern Baptist Convention. He has also uh, been used by God as an instrument of his grace to share with many who have come out of North Korea. It has been an eye-opening learning time for myself. And when I heard his testimony before, one of the things that struck me was just that he was a very humble, simple individual whom God has used. And God can use each and every one of us when we surrender our own lives to him. So uh, without much ado, we want to invite him up here and let's give him a warm welcome from our church. One, two, three, it's better. Maybe there's too much echoes. <laughs> How is it now? It's better? All right. Well, good morning. Um, 2014, November 8th, is when I returned home. Uh, home meaning here in Seattle. Um, so it's almost four years ago that I was... So four years ago today, I was still in North Korea. Um, four years of today, um, I was in North Korea anticipating to see any help is coming to get me home. But there was some indication that um, I'll be going home soon at the time because they put me on, on an interview with CNN in September. As I knew that if they were put me in, in you know, camera crews like that, and that means there's indication that I'll be going home soon. I've been waiting and waiting uh, for two years, but there's no sign of going home at the last, in the, during this time. So when people ask me, when is, what was the most difficult? I can say it was waiting, waiting to, waiting to see that I will be actually be, will be rescued, that will be able to go home. That was um, my main struggle for two years, not knowing when, and just waiting to see. This is something beyond my control. I could just couldn't, I just couldn't um, do anything about it other than uh, sit still and wait for good news. When I was invited to come and speak um, this church, and as soon, uh, as soon as I heard the name of the church, Living Hope, right? Is that right? right? <laughs> I hope I'm not in the Living Faith Church, okay? <laughs> Living Hope Bible Church. And they really caught my attention. Yes, Jesus is Living Hope. Yes, Word Alone is Living Hope. And that was what I experienced in North Korea. So I'm so glad that I'll be able to come and testify what God has done in my life. I was born in South Korea. Our family moved to the United States, to California in 1985. I was 16 back then. And then from there on, I went to college in Oregon, ended up in seminary in St. Louis, uh, and then went to Hawaii in 2005 to take a discipleship training school. And from there on, uh, we went to China for outreach. But there was one town, it's called Dandong, which is next to North Korea. 
We visited there to see North Korea up close. We can see North Korea from the other side. And uh, so we are there uh, praying and seeking God, and we are able to meet with two North Korean people for the first time. So we gathered with them, and then we just talked to them, and then one, man, one woman, which is about 30-some years old, and she became Christian about three weeks ago. And so we asked her, uh, tell us about your prayer request. We want to pray for you. But this is what she said. No, don't pray for me. I got Jesus. And what else do I need? You know, I was just so, so surprised when she would say that. I got Jesus. What else do I need? And the other man was about 50 years old. He became Christian about a month ago. So I asked her. I asked him, so how do you feel now since you're a Christian? And he said this. I didn't have a hope, but now I have a hope. And Jesus is hope to live his life for These two people really changed my life completely back in 2005. Next day, we went to the river next to North Korea uh, and then to pray for the people in North Korea, but we ended up getting on the boat ride trips. So this is is like not even a river. It's actually a creek. It's about 10 meters wide in a certain area. This is China. That's North Korea. But we ended up doing it in the middle of the night. Normally, tourists do not do that thing in the nighttime because you cannot see anything. But we prayed, we got on the boat, and about 20 minutes, 20 minutes later or so on, a boat driver uh, actually land, they parked the boat in the North Korea side. And it was like, are you sure about this? And then soon, North Korea soldier came out, out of darkness with a machine gun. <laughs> and, and I just say, 안녕하세요. <laughs> I just say, hi. Right? And because, like, I, we are here, you know, so we're chatting a little bit, and he said, do you have some money? If someone is holding a gun and say money, you know, then you should say yes. But I said, no, sorry, we didn't bring any money for you. But do you have some cigarette? I said, no, I'm sorry, we didn't bring cigarette. But we brought you something. We have some apple and beef jerky from the United States and a few other things. And, and he said, thank you. We chat. And then he turned around and went back into darkness. When he turned around, I felt the Lord spoke to him very clearly. What he need is not money, not a cigarette. He needs Jesus. Because Jesus is way and truth and life. No one can enter in the kingdom of God except through him. So here I am on the boat on the North Korea side, middle of the night. I pray, Lord, use me to be the bridge between North Korea and the rest of the world. That was a prayer that I made 2005, November. And the next year, um, I was trained in Kona. I was sent up as a missionary to China. I was working in China for several years. And then um, the, the, we said, yes, we're ready to start this school, DTS, Disciples Training School in China for Chinese people. But we have one problem. We didn't know where the students are going to come from. Because in, in our school... People have to give up their job, give up their school, and come and live with us for three months, and then go to outreach for two months for a five-month program. Where can we find a people who say, okay, I'll quit my job, I'll quit my school, we'll come to our school. So we pray, ask, Lord, is this right timing for this school to start? Then you need to bring students to us. We have no idea where we're going to get the students from. Well, three weeks before the school start, we had one student signed up for the school. So we just pray, and then I just ask the Lord, Lord, 
And if you are sending students to us, how many are you sending to us? I would just whisper to the Lord. And then I felt the Lord spoke to me at 18. You know, God doesn't usually speak like that. You know. I said, oh, great. So I wrote down 18 on the whiteboard. And we started writing down every single people we knew or their name in China. And we had this one you know, question mark and say, maybe God will send people that we don't know. So we start praying for these, all these people on the, on the name on the whiteboard. We just start praying and praying and praying. Three weeks later, the day we start our school, 18 students showed up. 13 were Chinese, four are South Korean missionaries, one person from North Korea. This school wasn't, uh, wasn't for North Korean persons. So what we didn't know uh, whether we should have it or not because it's dangerous and we don't know whether we're ready for this, but we had to accept her. You know why? Because she was part of the number 18. But she was about 50 some years old and uh, she only been Christian for about a month. She never read the Bible. She never been to church. But she's in our discipleship training school that we started from 8 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And she lived with us. It was so difficult to have her here with us. And then also the, for her to be, it was difficult because she never learned anything like this before. Um, but after about a couple of months, Lord started doing some wonderful things. And I see transformation taking a place when God's grace and God's power is be upon the school. I saw transformations. At the end, she said, can I stay longer after school? And she ended up taking a Bible school, mission school. One year later, she went back to North Korea to start an orphanage in for North Korean children. At that time, there are many street children living in North Korea. Uh, their parents died. And so they became street children. And so she said, no one's taking care of them. Government cannot help them. So I want to go start an orphanage for these children. And raise them up as godly as possible. So we pray for her, send her back to North Korea. That was back in 2009. 2010, um, I asked the Lord, help us, Lord, to open the door for North Korea. And then I was able to visit North Korea for the first time in 2010. And then realized that we were able to bring in uh, tourists into the countries. So I thought maybe we can bring Christian tourists to the countries. And then if we go as a Christians to go to North Korea, I realized we can do four things. If we can go and see the land and claim the land for Jesus. And two is we can pray for the people in North Korea, inside North Korea. And then three is we can worship in behalf of North Korea because... People in North Korea, God wants to receive worship from inside, but they cannot worship God. So we as a Christian can go. We keep worship and prayer among ourselves is okay. That's understandable. You know why? North Korean constitution guaranteed freedom of religion. So as long as we do it for ourselves, because they wanted to make sure to let the world know that freedom of faith is there, so still, they will not tolerate that for their people. They will tolerate for the foreigners coming in for a short period of time. So as long as we keep the worship and prayer for ourselves, we're safe to do so. And, and the last thing we want to do is we need to go and love the people as Christ loved us. So we cannot give the Bible or evangelize people, but we can just love them as Christ loved us because we carry the light of Jesus so if we light go into darkness, what happens is shine. 
So they will know that Jesus is hope to live their life for. And so that's what we did from 2011 to 2012. For one year period of time, I asked people around the world to go to North Korea. We wanted to recruit 300 intercessors around the world to go to North Korea. So we went, 300 people from 17 different countries, over 23 different trips, 10 people go in, come on out, 10 people go in. We did it in one year. I led 18 out of 23 trips. We saw miracles, we saw wonders, we saw many wars being tearing down, relations being restored, it was wonderful. But at the same time, it was spiritual warfare. So there's a fighting back from the enemies. There is, you know, people get sick and we get into car accidents and we, have, we miss the train. Many obstacles. It's almost like every single trip was challenging. And uh, when you come back out from North Korea to China, even though China has some oppression, come out, we can actually breathe. Oh, wow. We have some oxygen in the air. That's how that, the pressure is so thick in the land in North Korea. So that's what we did for, we just were go to see the land, claim the land for Jesus, pray, worship, and love the people. At the end, I was arrested by North Korean authority because I made a mistake by carrying, carrying in portable computer hard drive into the countries. Because I had a, uh, I bought a brand new computer, Apple. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, missionaries do not really have the money for Apple computer, uh, like me at the time. So after six years, I finally, someone gave me the Apple computer. I was so excited. I wanted to bring it to the trip because I need to transfer everything from my old computers. So I had a hard drive with me. So when I left in the morning from hotel in, in China, I left the computer there, not knowing that I'm not supposed to take this in. But hard drive, I forgot to take it in. I forgot to take it out of my bag. It was about this size. So I went into North Korea with my hard drive. When I discovered it was too late, and they saw my hard drive, they want to know what is in it. They checked to see, and then they found some video, documentary film about North Korea, uh, produced by Western media. And they did not like the content. They were just found the content. The kids are begging on the street or picking up the noodle from the floor. And they were offended by it, and that's why I was arrested. But in the hard drive, it contained all my mission support letter, report about mission activities in China and North Korea. So it was a matter of time they would find out my real identity, not as tour guide, but as uh, uh, missionaries. So uh, they put me in the room. Uh, I was questioned day and night. On the third day, they made me stand still in the middle of the room all day long. So it's like, like this. And I said, do not move at all. So if I move a little bit, they have a hidden camera somewhere. They'll come in and yell at me, do not move. So I have to stand for three or four hours straight. It's really difficult to stand still without moving. But some bizarre thing happened. Wait a minute. My back's not hurting. My leg's not hurting. I'm not tired. I'm not sleepy. I'm not even hungry. But, but, in, but so it was like bizarre. So I was thinking that I think I can do this for several weeks if I need to. But inside, I was worried, panicking, you know, and because, because of my careless mistake. Now, it's not just me. It's all the mission support letters. They're talking about many other mission activities, many other missionaries working in China and North Korea may be in danger because of me. I was blaming myself. How can I make that kind of mistake? 300 people came into the to the country for one year, no one was harmed, no harm was, but me, 
person who's supposed to say, do not take anything like this, I made a mistake, and now I'm in, not because of me. How about the pro- people that are brought in? Are they going to be okay? So I was worried. And then I was starting to ask God, Lord, where are you? Because you've been with me for six years. You provided and protected me, all those things. I felt like I was abandoned by God. Where are you, God? So I was blaming myself. I started blaming him. You, you, you said to come bring people in here. You know, I'm, I'm in this position. I don't know what to do. And then suddenly I felt warmth in my hand. My left hand was getting warm. It was, a, it was a November. It was pretty cold in the room. Uh, and I opened my palm. I saw something sparkling like a gold dust. This is something, I mean, I've never seen something like this before. And then worms started to spreading from my hand to the arm. And then suddenly the Lord spoke to me very clearly, Kenneth, Holy Spirit is holding your hand. He's standing next to you. Do not fear. I am with you. When he said this, everything changed. You know, I will never leave you, never forsake you. I am with you. And I thought, Lord has abandoned me, but he said, no, I am with you. And he said, do not fear because cast all your anxieties upon me. Because I care for you. And, and there's no one will be harmed through this. Be strong and courageous. And there's something to be accomplished through this. So be strong and fix my eye upon the, on me. Something like this never happened in my life before. So here I am in North Korea, in detention place, and receiving this word from the Lord. I felt the presence of God. And peace of God, power of God came over. I was so rejoicing because suddenly all the worries and panic is gone. I'm so, I don't know if there are any doctors here. I feel like I was giving some sort of injections and I'm, I'm having this relaxing time. I'm so calm and I was so happy. And I was just saying, wow. And then I was, so, I, was, I was so happy. If God is with me, who can be against me? And then I was starting to smiling. And then they saw me smiling. And then they, they were talking to themselves, wait a minute, it's not working. This guy's smiling. They walk into the room and say, just go to bed. You, know, you don't have to stand anymore. So, so, so I'm laying down and tears dripping down. I felt God has abandoned me, left me. But the Lord said, no, I am with you. I'll be your rescuer. Hang in there. There's something to be accomplished. Guess what? The one thing Lord... Maybe he didn't forget, but he didn't tell me is, by the way, you're going to be there, you're gonna be there for 732 more days. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> so when the Bible talks about God will not give you anything more than you can handle, that means God may not tell you anything that you cannot handle. Because, you know, if, it was, if the Lord gave me understanding I'm going to be there for two years, I probably couldn't make it. But the Lord said, but I am with you. Next day, I realized that everybody I brought in were left, able to leave the country safely. And the Lord said, just tell the truth. So I just say, I'm ready to confess. I'm a missionary. I'm a pastor. I brought people here to pray and worship. They were really shocked by it. And they're saying, you know what? You have done something terrible thing to us. So who sent you? I said, God. So who's above you? God. And they say, um, no, beside God, who else is out there? I said, no, nobody's there. 
you know, we're going back and forth. And then they say, you know what? You tried to overthrow our government. I said, what do you mean by that? How did I try to overthrow the government of North Korea? Through prayer and worship. I say, excuse me, you don't believe in God. Why do you believe in prayer? You have more faith than most Christians do. Because many Christians do not really believe in prayer enough. You know, say, oh, what's going to happen in North Korea? You know, it's, you know no, nothing will happen. You know, the government is going to continue to stay. You know, no, you know, the gospel is not going to be getting in. And, you know, people really do not believe in prayer enough, so that they don't pray. Well, apparently, I brought 300 intercessors from 17 different countries to, to go there and pray and worship. And they say, you try to overthrow the government. So you are men of faith, by the way. That's what I said. And then they found this lady that I sent to who wanted to start an orphanage in North Korea. I was worried sick about her. But turned out she had to turn herself in. She was pardoned by the government. And then she became a witness against me on my trial. She was able to go home without being charged. But at the time, I didn't know what happened to her. So I just said, you know, this lady wanted to help the children living in the street. She wanted to start an orphanage. Why is there so much a crime against the state? Do you know what they said? They said, one person become Christian. Come back and start an orphanage. Ten children will become Christian. Ten will become hundred. Hundred become ten thousand someday. When that happens, do you think they're going to be a threat to us or not? I said, maybe. See, what you did, you tried to inject us with a Christian virus, and people will be contaminated, and they'll be all spread, and, 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 then, and then there's, there's no people lose their heart for, that, heart for the government and leaders. And this become, this, they will be all infected. It's almost like a scene from The Walking Dead. I don't know. You know? <laughs> they're all, they're all going to be against us, and then so what's going to happen is they're going to be turning against us. And then this country will become a God's country. When he said that, I felt like the Lord spoke to me himself. Yes, one person can transform the nation. Yes, prayer can transform the nation of North Korea. So you may be the most dangerous American criminal we ever apprehended since the Korean War. But now only you try to do mission work by yourself. You set up a big training center in, next to North Korea. You train hundreds of people. You mobilize missionaries, send people out as to pray. And you know, many of those things, therefore, must punish you. To make an example out of you, you get a death penalty or life in prison. You will never return home. You will die here. And so you better tell us who's above you. So later on, they found out I worked with the youth mission. The founder of the youth mission, his name is Lauren Cunningham. And, and then he actually prayed for me before I was sent out to China. So, oh, we know above you is Lauren Cunningham. But above Lauren Cunningham is President Obama. So Obama told Lauren to tell you to terrorize our country, so you must be a CIA agent. <laughs> so I became CIA. Yeah. So they did a thorough investigation for four months. That finally, they came with the conclusion, okay, we know you're not CIA. <laughs> we are just a missionaries. But even we are not afraid of nuclear arsenal of uh, U.S. because U.S. never attacked us first. But we are afraid someone like you coming in, injecting Christian virus through the religion, 
and people lose their, lose their heart, and our country will fall. So they sent me to the Pyongyang, the capital city. From there, I was questioned day and night uh, by the prosecutor's office. And so they made me sit in the chair all day long when, they are not being, when I was not being questioned. So I said, can I get my Bible back? So I actually brought this Bible with me. And so they gave back the Bible to me. So guess what? When I was not questioned, I read my Bible. I read more Bible in North Korea than any other time in my life. So if any of you are having a hard time reading Bible, you know where to go. <laughs> but the Word of God alone, it's many scriptures came to me. You know, I'm your refuge. Wait for the Lord. He's, a, you know, he's not king. He's my salvation. From Isaiah and Psalm and many scriptures stood up to me. So I wrote down all these scriptures. Uh, and then the Lord continued to remind me that, know that I am your God. I am with you, Kenneth. And then um, at the time that they wanted to go to war with America, they say, if you do not behave, if you do not cooperate, we'll take you out and shoot. We will treat you as a, treat you as a war criminal, and we don't even have to go through this process. We'll just end this now. Threat was made. It was very difficult. You know, so someone walked into the room that I'm, Imagine you're in North Korea, someone walk into the room and say, we'll take you out and shoot tomorrow. Do you think you're going to be able to sleep? It's very difficult, right? But the Lord continued to remind me that I am in control. So fix your eye upon me. I went to the trial. I got 15 years of hard labor sentence. I was the first American was sent to North Korea labor camp. So when I got there, I found out this labor camp was only for the foreigners, but there are 30 or 40 guards and staff working for the camp. I was the only prisoner there for the whole time. So I got a lot of attention because I was the first American was there. Uh, pretty much from 8 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock evening, six days a week, I have to go out and work in the field. Did many farming work and carry rock and dig the ground and shoveling the coal into the furnace. Uh, many different type of hard labor that I have to endure. Uh, so like summertime is about 100 degrees outside with 100% humidity. It's so difficult. I drink about maybe uh, two or three uh, gallons of water every day, but I never go to the bathroom because I always sweat it out. In the wintertime, it's like a, a 20 degree Fahrenheit. And it's cold. I'm working in a, my hand. Uh, my hand and feet uh, are all frozen up, but just uh, my whole body is uh, steaming because it, it was, it was work hard in doing outdoor uh, labor that I have to do. So at nighttime, when I come back to the room, my back is hurting, legs hurting, I just couldn't even open my eyes, I was tired. At 10 o'clock, it's time for me to sleep. I lay down, but they have kept the light on, there was cameras so watch, looking at watching me, so I will not you know, you know, trying to kill myself or something like that. And then, and, but they kept the light on, so hard to sleep, but there's no mosquito, um, you know, net or screen on the window. So it's night, daytime, I mean, it's, it's pretty, cold, pretty hot at night, uh, in the summertime, even at night, they kept the, you know, so if I open the window a little bit, all the bugs coming in, I have to carry about 200 bucks a day in order to sleep. But still, you know, I've been bitten. It's almost seen from the, you know, horror movies. Um, and then my hand was numb. It's hurting so much. So I had to get up every hour, shook my hand like this for 20 minutes, and I went back to sleep. An hour later, I got up. 
So it was extremely, extremely difficult to endure. So I asked the Lord, how long would this suffering will last? Because in, on the third day, the Lord said, you know, that I'll be a rescuer. So it's easier that Lois can just take me home, right? So how long would this suffering will last? The Lord responded me back to me. Kenneth, even suffering is beneficial for you. I didn't like his answer. I want him to end my suffering now. But Kenneth, even suffering is good for you. But, one, but he said, but my grace is more than enough. It's sufficient for you. And I am with you. When I am weak, he said he's strong. Fix your eye on me. Trust in me. So here I am every morning I have to get up and uh, put on the full armor of God and reading Bible, asking the Lord to help me to get over that day because I cannot think about next day because I literally I thought I was going to die that every day. And, and so just reading Bible and asking God, help me to live my life today. On Sunday, they made me sit in the chair. It was a resting day, but I have to watch TV. Uh, there's only one TV uh, channel in North Korea. It's all about Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, all of our leaders. I have to watch from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., 13-hour TV days. So it was actually better for me to go out and work than watch TV. <laughs> when you watch TV, you know, and, it's just, and so I, I have to pretend I'm watching it still. So I was just daydreaming a lot, kind of, and I was thinking about different things. One thing that, um, um, you know, I was, you know, there's, there's a, they, they actually asked me, what do you miss the most? You know, and then I said, it all starts with the four things. Uh, the four thing with the F. One is freedom, you know. Of course, I miss freedom. Uh, freedom to talk, freedom to go, and my freedom is limited. Second thing is obviously I miss my family. Third thing is friends. All the friends from my high school, junior high school days, I was started missing them. And then I had my bucket list, and I said, I'm going to see these people you know, when I get out. And then the last thing was food. <laughs> so on Sunday, I was often thought about food. So one Sunday, I was thinking about mm, what I was craving the most. And I was thinking Hawaiian chocolate with Macanavian nut. <laughs> Second thing was Kit Kat. Third thing was beef jerky from Costco. <laughs> the fourth thing was protein bar. And then and, and the fifth thing was mixed nut. But where can I get Hawaiian chocolate in North Korea, right? In, especially in prison. So I just smile. I didn't pray or anything like that. And three months later, I was sent to the hospital because of malnutrition. I lost about 50 pounds in three months. So I just, working outside, I just passed out. So they, they happened a few times. They put me in the prison, put me in the hospital for a few couple of months. I'm in the hospital been recoverings, and my mom, who lives in Linwood, came to visit me. It's the first time North Korean government ever done something like this too. Imagine you are a mom and your son is in North Korea prison and hospital for malnutrition you're visiting. It's just a very emotional visit. And so second day she came to visit me. And then she, we were talking. Oh, she said, oh, by the way, I brought you something. She opened her bag. First thing she took out was Hawaiian chocolate with my Canadian. Second thing was Kit Kat. Third thing was beef jerky from Costco. Fourth thing was protein bar. Fifth thing was mixed nut. I didn't pray. And uh, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't call my mom or wrote to her and say, Mom, I want some beef jerky from, you know. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. 
actually, I forgot the fact that I thought about this. It was five months ago. Apparently, God remembered. Our God is good God and living God. He is the same God in North Korea, the same God in here in Isoka. He is same yesterday and today and forever. So it wasn't about the chocolate. It wasn't about I'm getting a chocolate. But it's almost like God saw me. I'm just thinking and daydreaming and I was just smiling. Almost God took a picture of me, a snapshot of me, put it in somewhere, five months later, here. See, Lord said, cast all your anxieties upon me because I care for you. I am with you, Kenneth. It's almost like Lord said, Lord, Lord said, see, Kenneth, I created you. So I know the craving of your heart. I even know the craving of your stomach. <laughs> and when some, if God loves you and cares about you this much, so intimately, God is not somebody from Bible somewhere, some big and impersonal God. He's a very personal God who show up and say, I love you, Kenneth. And I was thinking that if God is this good to me, maybe he's worth living my life for. If he's worth even going to prison in North Korea for, maybe he's more than enough, even if I cannot go home. But I was there for one year. No American prisoner stayed that long. No American prisoner was sent to the prison and hospital malnutrition. And U.S. envoy was supposed to come. And it was canceled at the last minute. And the President Obama did send another U.S. envoy from the White House, uh, someone very you know, important person. And he came to see me for five minutes. And he said, I am so sorry. I cannot take you home. I was devastated. And I thought I was waiting and waiting. When? But I could not go home. And my mother's letters arrived one week later. And this is what she said. You need a faith like a Daniel's three friend. Our God is able to save us, even if he does not. You needed that kind of faith. So I knew I wasn't going home anytime soon. So I have to, you know, I wanted to ask God with this question, Lord, do you want me to stay here in North Korea? Is it your will for you, is it your will for me, for me to be here? I wanted to ask this question for a long time, but I could not ask that question. You know Why? Because I don't want him to answer the questions. Because I want to go home. Think about family waiting. Think about people praying for me. I had to go home. But three weeks after the letter came, I pray and I ask God and I ponder and finally I nailed down on my hospital bed. Lord, you know my heart. I want to go home. But not my will, but your will be done. Use me, O Lord. I give up my right to go home. It was probably one of the most difficult prayer I ever prayed in my life. Then Lord whispered back to me, Kenneth, do you love me? But he said, do you love me more? I knew what it meant is, do you love me more than your wife, your children, your ministry, everything you've been living for? But I know deep down that I, did not, I have not loved him more. But I say yes. And the Lord said, then feed my sheep, take care of my lamb. See, there are 30 to 40 people around me every day. 
Every day I pray like this, save me, O Lord, right? And I only saw them as oppressors, limiting, you know, they're yelling and screaming. And imagine, you're, you know, this is North Korea prison, I'm an enemist, and, you know, and then there is all this is happening. And then after I pray the prayer, use me, O Lord, Lord said, these are my lost sheep that I have sent you for. You are not here as a prisoner, but you are here as my son representing my kingdom. You are a missionary. You are a shepherd. I have place here. So feed my sheep. Take care of my lamb. And the Lord started filling me with compassion. Only come from God. And then, Lord, use me, O oh Lord. I don't know how. After this prayer, see? Before it was about me being saved. Save me, O oh Lord. But now use me, O oh Lord. Lord, opening the door. And they normally call me my prisoner number, which is 103. They'll just say, 103. And I say, yes, I have to get up. But nobody's around. One by one, they come to me and say, Pastor, can I talk to you? And then they're talking about their marriage problems, family issues, and all those things. And I'm doing marriage counseling, premarital counseling, and parenting. And yes, yes, even North Korea, they have marriage problems. <laughs> so, you know, just you know, people and people. So, so I realized that I'm become their pastor and their shepherd. One man asked me, so pastor, if I believe in God like you, what do I get? What's the benefit? So you know, this is what normally people will ask you, right? Why do you go to church? People, the, 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 you know, what, what, do you get something when you, go, when you believe in God? You know, this kind of question they were asking. And another man was asking, pastor, if I believe in God like you, what do I have to pay to your church? So what's the obligation? It's talking about financial obligation. I said, yeah, it's a membership fee. I said, no, there's no membership fee, but there's an offering. But I said, more importantly, you need to give yourself to God. I was in North Korea for two whole years. One young man said, you know, you told me uh, there is God. If God is real, then how come you're still here? No one stayed this long before. No one went to the hospital three times because of malnutrition. So how do you explain this? No one suffered like you before. That's what he's saying. I say, maybe God has a different plan. They made this plan, may include you. Without me, how are you going to hear about God or anything from outside? And he said, it's true. I never heard anything like this before in my whole life. When I was being questioned in the first month, one of the investigators asked me, so I heard about God before, but never heard about Jesus before. So tell me, where does Jesus live, in Korea or China? He was very serious about it. He's 30-some years old. He was born in Pyongyang, capital city. And he went to college there. He said, never heard the name Jesus before. How can that be? He worked for National Security Bureau. He never, never heard. See, Pyongyang used to be known as Jerusalem Far East 100 years ago. Great revival took place. There was a biggest seminary in, in Asia was in Pyongyang. There were biggest churches in Pyongyang. There were more than 3,500 churches in, in North South Korea before the war, Korean War. And what happened? People in North Korea have no access to name Jesus. Name of Jesus disappeared. Somebody, in 19, somebody did something in 1960, decided to take the name Jesus out of North Korea. So you cannot find Jesus in any place. No encyclopedia. No, there's no internet, by the way. There's no Google. You can Google Jesus. And, then, 
and there's no phone call. You can make no um, travel. You cannot travel outside. It's pretty much they're locked up. There's no information coming in. And they were there, and so the name of Jesus disappeared. Why is that? Why do you think it was important for North Korean government to remove the name Jesus? Because Jesus is the way, truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through him. So if you take the name Jesus out, how are people going to know? How are you going to help people to find the way and truth and life? Somebody did this in 1960. I work with many North Korean refugees nowadays, and I met hundreds of people. I haven't met anyone heard about name Jesus before they came out from North Korea. This is a serious. This is 21st centuries. This is a East Asia. It's not, we're not talking about some remote place in Africa or Amazon in jungle. This is a prosperous East Asia. Do you know how fast internet speed is in South Korea? Do you know how open that is? In North Korea, it's the only place on whole earth is like this. So unless someone go and tell them about Jesus, how they're going to know that Jesus is the way and truth in life? And this is a serious. So it's not even about Christian things. It's about human things. It's about human rights because everyone should have access at least to so that they can choose if they want to. If there's no access means they're born as a slave, live as a slave, die as a slave, what will happen afterward? So here I am in North Korea, in prison, surrounded by the guard and staff, but I cannot preach the gospel to them. You know why? When they say, oh, I don't believe in Jesus like you, then someone else find out about it, that person will be removed, taken away, children will be taken away, parents will be taken away, three generations to be wiped out. That's the penalty of becoming a Christian in North Korea. So I cannot preach the gospel, but Lord reminded me this illustration about Missionary from U.S. went to India, working in the remote uh, you know, tribe, tribal villages there. And this minority tribe, the local dialect was very difficult to learn. So he was there for three years, five years, could not learn the language enough to preach the gospel. Seven years, ten years passed. The pastor, the, the pastor from the supporting church said, just come back. So he, we went back to, back to, came back to the U.S. as a failed missionaries. And then they sent someone else in his place. And this young missionary was very gifted in linguistics. And after three years, he was, he was confident enough to, he said, I now can preach the gospel. So he got everybody in the village together. He preached the gospel the first time. And he said, who want to believe in Jesus? And th then everyone raised their hand. So he said, oh, I made a mistake maybe. Maybe they didn't understand the, you know, you know, because maybe I don't speak, speak fluently enough. So, so he preached the gospel one more time. Okay, guys. Only people really want to accept Jesus into your life. Raise your hand. Everyone raise their hand again. So he was frustrated. He said, do you really know who Jesus is? And the chief of the village raised his hand and said, oh, Jesus was with us for 10 years. Lord reminded me this illustration when I was in North Korea. I was in prison. Do not preach the gospel. Live out the gospel. You may be the only Jesus they will ever get to see in their lifetime. Be a little Jesus to them. But this is a prison. It's not like in the morning they will come into the room, okay, may I get you a cup of tea this morning? You know, they, don't, they don't say like that. 
they're screaming, yelling, and there's a, it's a harsh place. It's, they see me as enemies, and I'm there, and uh, as a prisoner. And then, how am I supposed to live up? And I have to pray, Lord, help me to live like you, Jesus, today. Help me not to dishonor your name. Because the life is tough and difficult in the prison already. How am I supposed to represent Jesus? That was a very, very difficult thing to do. And one day I was working in the field in the middle of the winter. It was a very cold day. The prosecutor came to see me and said, I have good news for you. In two days, U.S. envoy is coming, so get ready to go home. I said, finally, I'm being released. I'm free. You know. And then I was, telling, I was saying goodbye to everybody. You know, and, uh, and I say, you know, thank you so much. And then I even sang a song, farewell song. Farewell, I'll see you again next time. And, you know. <laughs> in the middle of the song, and they say, don't sing a, such a sad song. You're making us sad. You should stay longer. We like having you here. So you should talk to us some more. Why do you want to go home so early? You've only been here two years. You have 13 more years left. You know? I said, sooner I go home, sooner I can come back. Hopefully not as a prisoner next time. And then we were talking and you know, pretty much saying goodbye. You know, but two days later, U.S. envoy visit was canceled. I was devastated. I waited for a whole week. The prosecutor came back to me and said, oh, by the way, that was canceled. Um, so I realized giving up right to go home is not something you do at one time. You have to do it every day. I also realized choosing to love God more, Jesus more, is not something you do at one time. You have to do it every day. Uh, when, I, when I come back to, um, at nighttime, they, after dinner, they make me watch TV. This is when power failure often happens. Every single night, there are no electricity. So... I'm, but I still have to sit in the chair. I cannot fall asleep. So all I was able to do was to let them know that I am not sleeping. So you know what? That's my excuse for me to singing to the Lord. I'm singing, you know, I love you, Lord, and there's none like you. I sang many hymn songs. One of the hymn songs, the lyrics like this, whether I live in the shack or palace, if Jesus is with me, this is where heaven is. I often sing this song and change the lyric and say, whether I live in the hospital or prison. If Jesus is with me, this is where heaven is. I'm singing the song, everyone can hear the singing of American prisoner. And then they say, this is very strange and weird. Then come to me, you're very strange. I say, why? They say, hey, we are the guard. You are the prisoner. How come you look happier than us? <laughs> where does your joy come from? Where does your hope come from? It doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to suffer here. You're suffering. I mean, I literally malnutrition. I'm hungry all the time. All those things. I see you. How can you sing a song where Jesus is? This is heaven is. And, and, and where does your hope come from? I say, come from God. When I left, the warden of the prison shook my hand, and he just said one word, see you again. But so tears in his eyes. So I knew God has done something in North Korea during the time there. They want to know, who is this Jesus guy? What do you have that I don't have? It doesn't make any sense. The U.S. government failed to secure release. No one seems like coming. You are suffering. How can you be cheerful and joyful and, and they're here? And I say, well, I'm a missionary. <laughs> God brought me here. And, and, then, and I'm surrounded with the people I'm ministering to. 
And then the, they wanted to know why. You know, 2014, November 3rd, was two-year anniversary. That day is coming very soon, right? Next week. So, 2001st, it was Saturday. Prosecutor came to see me. Oh, you've been here for uh, two years now, so you only need to stay 13 more years. 13 years later, you're going you're gonna to be 60, so we will celebrate your 60th birthday. The Asian, like, 60s in a birthday thing. So we'll have a noodle together. No one's coming for you. You've been abandoned by your governments, and you are forgotten. And he left. So that's a mean thing to say, right? But he come back to every Saturday for one year, said exactly the same thing for over, over again for more than 50 times. So I nicknamed him Mr. Disappointment. Oh, here you go again. You know, every time he come in disappointing you. Because I was anticipating, am I going home and anything good? I said, no, you're doomed. And he goes, you know, right? I mean, this is really hard. doesn't matter. You put on the full armor of God every day. When Mr. Disappointment speak about disappointing things, I get disappointed. And then if I get disappointed, I start losing hope. I become desperate and become hopeless and I become depressed. So later on, I'm not singing to Jesus anymore. I'm at the end, last, especially last several weeks, so hard. You know, every time he come and say something like that, you know what I was singing? I was singing all the songs that I sang in my high, you know, junior high school days. You know, kind of like all by, my, all by myself. You know, Eric Crapton's, you know, it's all about, you know, like, uh, or Elvis Presley, are you lonesome tonight? You know, <laughs> I am singing this song in a swing low, sweet chariot. <laughs> you know, I'm like a slave in chain, pretty much. I'm so depressed. So I have to choose whether to listen to Mr. Disappointment or listen to God. Because more than 450 people around the world sent me a letter. Kenneth, you are not forgotten. We are remembering you. We are standing with you. We are praying for you. You are coming home soon. Hang in there, brothers. 177,000 people around the world signed a petition for my release to President Obama. Bring Kenneth Bay home. And then millions of people around the world praying for me at the time. So I say, and then God has given me more than 70 scriptures. I say, I have to choose to listen to him or listen to God. Remember then I said the most difficult part was waiting you know, I know God's character. That's what I taught in our school. When God made a promise, God always fulfills his promise. He doesn't change his mind. So I know when God said, I'll bring you home, then I'm, I'm, I'm going home for sure. I didn't know when and how difficult it is not seeing that coming truth right away. So I have to choose. So you know what I have to do? I have to remind myself. There's two things. One is I need, I need to remind myself who is God. God always fulfills promise. He's always faithful. And so I have to look at the mirror and say, God is faithful. And second thing I have to say was, I am a missionary. My name is Kenneth Bay. I'm a missionary. I'm here for the reason. I have to look at the mirror more than 100 times. Every time I get doubt, every time I get disappointed, every time I get depressed, I have to go back and realize that who is God is who I am. I am a God's missionary. So sometimes I'm sitting there talking about this. I'm, I'm just, I'm just uh, thinking about this, and then I'm thinking about, 
You know, they were saying that is you fail your, your mission. You're trying to overthrow the government. See, we caught you. You are in prison. You're suffering. I'm sitting there listening. I say, you have no idea what you have done. And I was just thinking that because I am a God's ambassador, right? And I know that God has something. God said, I have something to accomplish through this. I have no idea what that is. But I have to wait to see that part. So that was my difficulty every day. But on Monday, November 3rd, Lord woke me up in my hospital bed. He said, open your Bible to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 20. Okay, God never spoke to me like this in my whole life before. I have no idea what that was. I opened the Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 20. Part of the verse say, I will bring you home. That was Monday. Friday, U.S. envoy arrived. Saturday, I came home. On the way home, I told the people who came on the U.S. envoy, more than 20 people, director of national intelligence, James Klepper, brought me home. We are on the way back, and I told them, Monday, November 3rd, Lord told me he will bring me home. They were so surprised. We left Washington, D.C., White House, Monday, November 3rd. The God spoke to me. God sent U.S. government plane over. So well, I t- I'm telling the people now that you know, President Obama knows my name, but more importantly, Heavenly Father knows my name. This Heavenly Father knows every single one of you's name. He knows what you are going through. He knows what suffering you're enduring right now, what difficulty you have to overcome. Just like he promised me that cast all your anxieties upon me because I am with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. And uh, there is something to be accomplished through this. Then what should be our response? Just like he's told me, fix your eye upon me. And trust in me. Love me despite of difficulty. And choose to obey me. That's what I learned in North Korea. When I came back, when I came back, Lord reminded me that, you know how many people around the world remembered you and prayed for you. You have not forgotten by the people around the world. I, I have not forgotten you. I remembered you. But I have not forgotten the people in North Korea who are suffering. 25 million people have no access to name Jesus. And I have seen their tears. I have heard their cry. I will soon uh, bring these people home. I will restore them, rebuild them. So go home and tell the world what I've done for you. As people pray for me, as people remember me, and let them pray and remember the people in North Korea. God will bring them home. Today, I think we haven't had a chance to read the scripture here, but the text comes from Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. This Nehemiah, this Nehemiah, was working in Babylon at the palace. He was part of the exile community. He was probably second and third generation. That he wasn't his choice that he was living in Babylon, but he was probably born there, but he was one of the elite that he was able to chosen. He became kind of like today's, like, you know, like someone like working for the you know, White House, part of the, you know, the staff in the White House, maybe chief of the staff, that level of intimacy with the king. He was in the position, he was going really well, things are going very well for him, but yet he still had compassion for his homeland, his compassion for the people who were left behind. So he found out what's happening in Jerusalem, and, they, and then they're reporting that people in Jerusalem are suffering, they're miserable, wars tore down, and the gates are, gates are all burned up. And when he heard that, 
he just fell down and he's crying out to God. He's weeping and weeping. And he starts praying. He's fasting. Lord, have mercy on the people in, the, people in Jerusalem. He remembered the people who are suffering, even though things are going really, really well for him. He said, as we pray, Lord, you will listen to our prayer. He's talking about how his commitment with God and he already relationship with God. And he prayed, guess what happened? His prayer was answered. Moved God's heart. And God moved the heart of king of Babylon. And the king of the Babylon and say, okay, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? Nehemiah told you know, this. And then he said, okay, now I'll let you go. Rebuild the cities, rebuild the wall. And he come right back, okay? Because he was just saying that is, I need you here pretty much. And so he was sent with the authority, and the king paid for the, you know, that, the construction. He went there as governor to restore the wall. That's not the end of the story of Nehemiah. That's what happened. That, but people around, people came and said, I will, I will stand with you, Nehemiah. I will do this. And they had of spears in one hand. And they, had a, they, was, you know, they were rebuilding the wall because many around and say, you're rebelling against to the king and all those things. And they're up with the oppression and the obstacle. But they still stood together, finished the task. And then you know, everybody gathered together. This is when that word of God was restored for the first time. Worship was restored for the first time. After 70 years, they were able to come back, and then now this is happening. And then it's not just war was restored, people was restored, Jerusalem was restored, Israel was restored. And then when they hear in God's word for the first time, they're also convicted by it, and they start crying and weeping. They're repenting to the Lord. And then Nehemiah said, no, it's not time to repent. We need to rejoice because our relationship was restored with God. And they were celebrating together. And then if there was a time they come together, they're all coming and repenting to the Lord. It's not even their sin, their forefathers' sin. And they were, they were, they were doing uh, purifications. And then they're making a you know, the covenant with God. And then what happened? At the end, Reformation come. And then, so after 400 years later, Jesus come to Jerusalem. They were, they were preparing the way for Jesus' return to come. So I'm seeing this, uh, the scene from Nehemiah, how God used one man who had a compassion for their people, who was just saying that is, Jerusalem is God's city. We cannot have, you know, live it as ruin anymore. And I see this as a comparison to the people in North Korea. 1948, two countries were divided. It's been 70 years now. South Korea has the most number of the Christian, you know, in the, it's about 30% of the population are Christian, more than 50,000 churches. We send out the most number of the uh, uh, missionaries, you know, around the world per person. And all those things happening. But what happened in North Korea? It's all gone. It's all ruined. And there's only worshiping of the leaders there. But who will remember them? Who will stand with them? Who will care for them now? I say to God, Lord, you brought me back for a reason. God said, you know, you were there in Korea for two years. So I am now asking people around the world, would you remember the people in North Korea as you remember me? Would you pray for the people in North Korea as you pray for me? Because your prayer moved God's heart, and God moved the heart of President Obama, 
and Kim Jong-un, I was pardoned and I was sent back home after being there for two years. But do you know that in order that to happen, um, you know, White House, before White House responds to any people's demand, they needed at least 100,000 petitions to be signed. This is, was a pre-requirement. I, I didn't know that. And later on, President Obama uh, went to the uh, National Prayer Breakfast in February 2014, found everybody and said, Kenneth Bay deserves to come home. We will do everything possible to bring Kenneth home. This is all happened, and nine months later, I was released and came home. How did it happen? People around the world pray, signed the petition, wrote many letters to the government leaders, went to visit. My sister was in White House and State Department meeting with the Secretary Kerry, and all those people. I was just came back from this, uh, Washington, D.C. I was visiting State Department. I'm on the, on the way back from the lunch going in. People on the street, some, one guy, and say, hi, hello, Mr. Bay. And then I, I didn't know who that person was. You know? and then, but I knew maybe the people in State Department knew because it was only a few years ago that I came back. Many people worked hard to get me home. I want to show you the video that what happened after I came home. Um, but before I do that, so if you can uh, get the, um, let me just say this. When I landed in the airport here in Seattle, in the Air Force Base here, and it was covered by CNN and then everybody outlet. So people in the entire world saw me coming home, coming to landing in the Seattle airport. So many people in the Seattle area obviously watched that uh, when I was coming home. It was around 9 o'clock or so, prime time. So after I landed, I came home. Next day, I went out uh, to Starbucks, by the way, with my friend's friends. And then many people recognized me and said, hi, welcome home, Kenneth. And then I went outside. People honking the horn and said, hey, hi, Kenneth. And everybody recognized me. So I was embarrassed a little bit. So on the third day, I decided to go to Elderwood Mall you know, with my sunglasses on and with head on and thinking that, you know, hopefully no one recognized me now. And then there was a lady, the African-American lady. She was pretty, you know, pretty big ladies. And she saw me walking in. She started screaming and yelling my name, Kenneth. And I was like so scared. And then she started running toward me. I said, who is this person? And she gave me a big hug. And then she said, I pray for you, Kenneth, for two years, every single day, tears dripping down. I was so overwhelmed. Why? I'm just one missionary was in North Korea. But someone like her, millions of people remember me. So now I'm traveling all over the world and telling people about this. Guess what? Every city, every church, every small town I go to, even in Central America, Brazil, and Cambodia, someone come up to me and say, I am the one of them to pray for you. Many of you here pray for me. And this is why I came home. I met someone from White House. She's a very important person in the White House. She worked for NSC. She came back. She, uh, she came to our, one of my sessions and then said, for you to stand in front of me, this is a miracle. We didn't think that we can get you home at that time. She was one of the ones that came to get me home. So they were on the way to the airport. They thought that they failed the mission. 20 people were going home empty-handed. On the way to the airport, they stopped the car and said, can take your guy with you. So I was picked up at 3.30, and I was on the plane at 4 o'clock. Nobody knew until 3.30. So this is a, one of those things that, that happened for my rescue. 
that I knew that I, was, I came home for the reason. Not everybody is fortunate like me. There was another guy after me. His name is Otto Wambier. Maybe many of you heard about his name. He was 21-year-old, received 15 years hard labor sentence. He was sent to the same prison. He was tortured there. He came back and died in six days. I met his parents in Geneva, uh, UN, and different places. They were furious. Their 21-year-old life was ended in North Korea. But I came back alive. There's no word that can comfort them because I, I'm alive. He's not. But there are 25 million people still need to be rescued because every day uh, they've been tortured, they've been locked up. There's no voice, no freedom to go, no freedom to speak, no freedom to choose. And this is the 70 years. I'm asking God, Lord, enough is enough. And the Lord uh, gave me the scripture from Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read this verse. Comfort, comfort my people, say your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I do believe that this scripture was given to the people in North Korea, especially people living in Pyongyang, once known to be Jerusalem in the Far East. We're expecting great repentance, revival will follow. We want to see this will come very soon. Lord gave me the word the year of 2018 will be a year of breakthrough for Korean unifications. We're anticipating, we've been praying and asking for people to pray. This year, we saw historical summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. President Moon Jae-in met with Kim Jong-un three times. We're talking about peace process. But I do believe a bigger thing will be coming for Korea. Would you pray for them? Would you stand with them and say these 25 million need your prayer and your support. Let's watch the video. And this is what happened after I got home. Now I'm in South Korea, working with many refugees. We are rescuing refugees. We are working with them. Let's just watch this. And there's a sound with it.
asking the people around the world now that as I came home, 25 million uh, people living in North Korea, and we, we want to pray for them and remember them and stand with them so that they will be able to rescue, and to be able to restore their life, and to be able to rebuild their life. This is Brazil. Now about a thousand people from Brazil joined the prayer petition campaign. And then now we have a, a ministry started it. We send rice and Bible to North Korea through the waterway. And only twice a month, the current is right for us to be able to send rice and Bible, USB with Jesus film in it. We write a letter to them and say, we are remembering you. Uh, we are praying for you. So within six hours, the people in North Korea can uh, get this bottle with the rice and, and the, the Bible in it. We rescue, we also help North Korean orphans in China. And uh, we have a, something called Jay House, where the kids are growing up there. And uh, so we are supporting the kids who are born in China, but their mom, North Korean, who was taken back to North Korea and died. We also have a mission training academy for uh, mission candidate for North Korea. So we are training the missionaries and training the workers not just a, a, a seminary graduate, but the people from all seven different sphere of society. So they'll be able to train and go and start churches and the school and hospital and businesses uh, when those open. This is a camp we did this summer. Uh, more than 120 people gathered from nine different countries to say these North Korean youth that matter to us. So we, they wanted to spend time with us. And then many lives was restored, and then many found the Lord. And they, they felt love the first time and say, wow, so many people around the world care for us and care for the people in North Korea. We pray for the one Korea, and we want to see unification will take place in the near future so that the one country, so that people in North Korea will have access to name Jesus. They can freely worship God, and they can pray, and they can rejoice in a rebuild as we are able to do these things. About 32,000 North Koreans are now living in South Korea. They're being rescued, and then now they are settled in the last 10 years. About 20,000 refugees came into uh, South Korea. Now we have a community center for refugees in South Korea. We are helping them restore their life, uh, restore, settle their life, but the most importantly, meet their uh, physical and spiritual needs. If you can go to the website, uh, this is the current website. It's called prayerfornk.org. You guys can sign up your name and say, um, I so-and-so, we remember, stand with, 
pray for people, 25 million people in North Korea. Uh, it hasn't been updated for the, everybody. Right now, it's about 3,000 people from 62 different countries. 579 cities that people are praying. You know, you can, you can click the, uh, the word that you can see how many countries, how many people from different countries are praying. Uh, we want to see this number grow. So this is one of your response you can do is that you can actually um, uh, go to the website and sign your name and say, we will, uh, I will remember and pray and, and stand with North Korean refugees. If you do that, you will get a certificate through the email and say, now you become 3,000, you know, number 3,002 or three uh, Nehemiah prayer warriors. <laughs> and then you become the part of the uh, prayer warrior network and you will update you with uh, how to pray, you know, what, what's happening in North Korea so that you will get a lot of information so you can keep them in prayer. So this is something only uh, God has placed in this place, this in my heart, and now this is what's happening. I just want to close with this. Um, people in North Korea, uh, and if we ignore them, because I know there's a peace process and, and so on, but there's, not, there's no peace just because they get rid of nuclear weapons. They will be still living in those conditions. We need to pray the breakthrough so that, that people in North Korea can freely worship God, to have a Bible, to be able to, to believe in the Lord as we believe here. In order to do that, what will happen is millions of people around the world will stand together, almost like lining up with the invisible wall, and they say, these people matter, Lord. You know, break down the barrier, Lord. Make them come home soon. And when this happens, I think the North Korea, North Korea will, when there's the opening will happen, then, and the people will be able to come out, will be able to go in, and this will see that they're coming very soon. And I, so you can do three things. One is you can be a prayer supporters for us, and you can stand. It's not about our ministry. It's about people in North Korea. You can do it as your church and church group can pray for them, and you can do so. Also, you can be, uh, some people say, I want to try to contribute to, to this. I mentioned in the, in the Sunday school that the bottle that we send it in, it only costs $10 for a bottle. We take $2,500 to rescue one North Korean person from North Korea to China, China to South Korea. And uh, we are able to rescue 50 North Korean refugees this year so far. Uh, we are trying to do it one every week. So we still have a few weeks left for the next uh, two months. We want to see extra about 10 more people coming to be uh, rescued. So we can be a part of that. Or some people say, I want to be the, you know, the monthly supporter to support this. But whatever it might be, remember to the people in North Korea. A third thing, you can, you can volunteer with us. There are certain things you can contribute. We have our uh, U.S. Uh, representatives here with us. Her name is Erica. Some of you met. And then, uh, so she'll be out there uh, explaining, and uh, you, know, you can connect with her about our ministries. So can we just bow down and um, just pray together? Uh, just, can you just pray as your church, as you're carrying the lame, living hope, Bible church? And let's see the true hope for North Korea is Jesus and the word of God alone. So can we just say, Lord, have the access to be opened up so that their name of Jesus to be known in North Korea and set people free, truth alone, and then they can rejoice with us. Some days when we meet brother or sister from North Korea, you can tell them yourself, I, I pray for you. 
I stood with you. I remembered you. And I think God would be, you know, Jesus would be very delighted if we were able to do that. Just like this lady who said to me that I prayed for you for two years. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning, just I'm very grateful that you use people around the world, especially people in Seattle, people in this area, in this church, to remember me when I was in prison and the concern about me and my well-being. And many letters that came from Seattle area to me, there was a reminder that you were a reminder to me and said, the people care and you care. So Lord, as you've done the miracle in my life, would you do the miracle in the people's life in North Korea? Tens of thousands still need to be rescued. 25 million people living in North Korea, would you become a living hope for them, Lord? Word of God, the Bible to be available in North Korean people's life so they can find the truth, Lord. Use us, Lord, from this church so that we can stand with the people in North Korea and refugees. Remember them and pray for them so that they can be rescued and they can be restored, they can be rebuilt, Lord. Use us, Lord as you use hundreds of people around the world to do so for me and now for this, for North Korea. 25 million people have no access named Jesus, Lord. Let the wall break now, Lord. Free the people now, Lord. Restore the people now, Lord. So we can be the Nehemiah and the people who stood next to Nehemiah, Lord, as we stand, as we say, we will rebuild because God is with us. We want to see your glory to be lifted up and your glory to be known around the world because you are with us, with the people in North Korea. May your name to be lifted up. May you be glorified. And use us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.